0: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going?
1: It's going well. One of my favorite topics and uh, is on deck today.
0: Yes, you've been on me to to make a T-shirt about this for like years now. So, uh, spoiler alert: a big part of why we wanted to do this episode is because I finally put together our "Cross Training Is Not a Crime" T-shirt, which is available in the Consummate Athlete store. Uh, but also because fall is, of course, the the time people start thinking about cross training. Um, you know, especially people who are finishing up their cycling season. They're in areas where the weather is maybe a little less pleasant out, uh, you know, everyone starts kind of thinking about cross-training all of a sudden. So we wanted to kind of talk about our philosophies on it and sort of the, the ins and outs, I suppose.
1: Okay. So you said cross-training is not a crime.
0: Cross-training okay. is not a crime.
1: Okay. So that's, that's the idea. That's the t-shirt. So you can get it. If we were more organized, we would have this and you could see it on the YouTube video, which you can check out on the consummate athlete YouTube channel. If you prefer to, to watch us and see today we have some books to hold up, uh, but not the t shirt. Uh, that the, the, that goes with the episode, but we do have the t-shirt available.
0: Yes. And it's actually on its way to us. We just, we're so excited about recording this episode okay. that we, we needed to get the episode in before the t-shirts made their way to our so, doorstep. So
1: it's hype right now, next week, perhaps we'll wear it. Possibly. Uh, but all to say, you know, it might sound odd. Maybe it's obvious to you if you're listening to us that, you know, cross-training is a great thing. And, and you know, cross-training is really like, let's get a definition is it, it's anything but the main sport. If you're a rower, uh, I only say that because the book I was just reading was talking about rowers. So anything, swimming uh you know perhaps even rowers would have like their uh rowing erg which is analogous to like your your treadmill for the runner or the t- indoor trainer for the cyclist that could even be cross training in some ways because it's not the actual thing uh it also can include strength training a lot of the literature on this uh talks about strength training as as cross training as well under this umbrella of things that are not the thing that you do
0: which is funny because like i almost i almost put like strength and mobility stuff so your, you know, weightlifting and yoga and things like that, I almost consider them to be in like a separate category from like, if you're a cyclist, like strength and mobility over here, and then like running or skiing sure. or any of those things are kind of over in a different bucket. Because I think we've kind of all come to terms with strength training is good for any athlete. Hmm. I think that's like almost not debatable by anyone at this point.
1: Right. Yep.
0: But yeah. the doing other activities, I think, is still kind of up for a bit of debate.
1: And this might be like your tomato is 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 not a vegetable, uh, but, you know, it 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 is a vegetable in the way that you use it. So it, it might be one of these things where, like, if we look at it scientifically, you know, we're going to put all these things that aren't the thing right, as right. cross training. Uh, but then you might have a couple different things. And, and you're right. Maybe it is actually a good way to think about it because strength is important. Uh, But the the more I talk to cyclists, even cyclists that have written books, uh, you know, we have a couple guests coming up who actually I asked them during uh, the episode, great episode, great book. And they say even themselves as cyclists, you know, don't want to, they want to go ride their bike, they don't want to do strength training. So Uh, It it really is about this, this doing the other stuff and why and when and how uh, is really what we're going to talk about today. Yeah.
0: And I do think part of why we wanted to do this episode, we've done cross training episodes in the past, certainly, but I think part of it is our approach as we're getting a bit older uh, has started to shift a little bit more towards the the longevity side of things. In addition to performance, obviously we're well, both still racing, still, you know, pretty serious. Well, athletes. Let's be
1: honest. It's trendy right now. It it, is it's super all, trendy right now. Cause I, I, I don't know. I'm still like, it's going to swing back the other way, but you know, we love the Sturretts book. They were on just a couple episodes ago. One of our first videos you could watch on our YouTube channel, uh, it was, you know, they're ready. What is it called? Built to move has all these uh, vital signs that are around sort of like being mobile in older age. And and yes, for performance they talk about, but it is, you know, in the Peter Atia book, this idea of longevity and and trying to be the fittest hundred year old you can seems to be really trendy right now.
0: Yeah. And almost to, I would say the point where you're right. The pendulum has almost swung like a little too far in the longevity versus performance or like Like YOLO.
1: Like four years ago, we're like YOLO. And now it's like, I'm going to be a great hundred year old.
0: I think you can. So I think you can be both. I think like there's, there's a balance to be found. And I think that's actually what you and I are sort of trying to lean into these days is sort of the, okay, we really want performance in this year, next year, but we are also starting to think about long-term health consequences and everything. And part of that's, you know, we're seeing our parents get older, we're getting older, things are harder than they used to be. I'm not going to lie.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's probably a balance there. And I do think that, you know, it's a Rob Wolf uh, ism and Dan John is similar. And they talk about how do you look, feel and perform, which isn't body weight, uh, you know, but it is how do you look, feel and perform and and the looking piece, sometimes people don't like, but it is, you know, a piece to it for sure. Um, And, and sort of as like a barometer for how things are going. And if those things are going pretty well, you know, it's generally a good sign uh, for longevity. So maybe that's a future episode. I feel like it might go down a tangent with that. But the, the key, I guess, with cross-training then is, do, we'll get into it, will we? Or Let's do, you, do it. Do okay. Yeah. Uh, so with cross-training then it is how as a cyclist, you know, most of us are middle-aged cyclists, adult cyclists.
0: Speak for yourself.
1: How do we incorporate this into a week and, and when, you know, is it okay to do it in the summer? I actually wrote an article for Canadian Cycling Magazine. I don't know if we can link to that, but it's in Canadian Cycling Magazine. Just sort of this like contrarian view. And this, it really is where the, the heart of this t-shirt, this cross-training is not a a crime comes from is because a lot of clients actually come to me because I'm okay with cross training, which seems just mind boggling, uh, at least to me. Uh, But maybe even the listener might find that like, why are people like, why are their coaches saying no cross training, right? Like, but this is very common in cycling, at least that it's like no running, no whatever. And I get it because running is very dangerous.
0: Well, and uh, probably, you know, people get injured. there's probably a bit of like coaches have been burned by cyclists trying to get into running before. I mean, you see this all the time, the, you know, having done no running whatsoever and then going out and doing a 10 miler and then being wrecked for weeks. Mm-hmm. So you do kind of understand why some coaches are pretty like leery of cross training when it's sure. kind of just no, because the
1: cyclist mindset is, you know, I usually ride my bike for 90 minutes. So it, I can
0: run for ninety. now
1: minutes. we get our first signs of fall here in late October, November. It's maybe rainy. You want to keep to your, uh, you know, your plan that you've developed, you know, your last race happened and then you got mad. So you developed this really, you know, intense fall training program, but then it rained and you didn't plan for that. So now you have to do 90 minutes because that's how long you always train. So you run for 90 minutes, which you probably can do because the engine's there. You're a very determined, you know, mentally tough person, but then the next week you can't train because you just have like Achilles tendon and everything all, you know, calves and quads and back and you know so it, it is the how do you get into it so that you can actually use this tool
0: yeah exactly uh which is uh, you know where where our ethos does come in and
1: that's right so is- when you mention ethos i do have these three books so do you want to, our ethos is captured in this lovely book it's called becoming a consummate athlete if you're watching the youtube channel you can check that out it's right there but it's also on amazon you could check that out and it does deal with a lot of these things how do i think that chapter i just saw was actually incorporating strength uh, into your routine um and so it is a big part of our, our, our you could call it an ethos, a philosophy.
0: One of our four C's.
1: Now, do you want to go into the whys now? Is that yeah. what we're edging towards? Is You know, some of the advantages I see for busy adults, you know, which go together. Those two words are together. You don't get to separate those words. I don't think they're always sure. together. Uh, adult life is is wild, right? You might be going to soccer practice. So if you can jog around the soccer field, I have clients that do this that. This is
0: honestly one of my like favorite examples and, of cross training.
1: And we start with walking right? Like uh, this is, you know, for the specific to running, that's what often comes to mind, but even for cross country skiers, we start with walking. It might be with poles in hand, but you you start, you know, dry land training. There was a bunch of kids doing that for the, the ski club uh where we were yesterday for a bike skill session, but they were doing their cross country skiing training. There was lots of like running back and forth across the field, intermittent walking, uh, intermittent walking, I guess I, intermittent walking Yeah, I was, think interspersed like. with running. Uh, All that to say, you know, we have these things in life where we're traveling, where the weather is poor, there's all these things. So being able to do a variety of sports, this is really the consummate ethos, as you say, is, is that you can adapt to the environment, you're not stuck, you have to pedal a bike. So now you're immediately stuck in this like zoo environment where you're on your trainer stuck in a room with no variability. Um, you know, no environment there. You're you're in a zoo. You're basically in a cage, right? So we like to say, you know, could you go cross training? Could you go hiking? Could you go to the gym? You know, and see people, different communities. And so it really plays into that uh, ability to adapt to the environment. And then also the the one that I think for adults, this is almost counter to what we said about running, is it actually lets you adapt when you're injured. And one of the for sure. one of the things we want to really avoid as adults, and especially as we get older and older and older, which is going to happen. Is that you can't be inactive. You don't really get that. You know, we were talking about this the other day where a teenager can lay, you know, get hungover, lay on the couch for a whole weekend, and then go run a marathon on Monday, and, and they'd be fine. But any of us tried any of those steps, the hangover alone, uh, but the laying on the couch, you know, you'd wake up and your neck would be just blown and then it would, let alone trying to start the marathon ordeal, right? So all of those steps suddenly aren't really options. So we need to keep moving. And that, again, could be the base of that is walking, maybe a bit of yoga, maybe a bit of strength, uh, and then whatever your sport is that you enjoy, these big movements. Um, but you're going to find that you, you know, I have probably two or three clients with shoulder injuries right now. You know, there's always the knees. There's someone goes and plays like football. So they have an ankle right now, but it's only one ankle. You have another ankle and another set of arms and your body. So there's all these other things. So can you go swimming? Can you go walking? Can you do upper body strength? You know, any of these things, you know, so that you can keep the rest of your parts moving.
0: Yeah. And I think the, the key there is like, if you're starting it now before anything is injured. It's a lot easier, right? Sure. Like even walking, you don't really think of it as being difficult and you're probably scoffing hearing this, but I mean, we, we know a lot of people, a lot of older adults for whom walking is not the easiest thing in the world, right? Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. there's various like foot and hip and back and whatever pains. Yep. Uh, so if you're, you know, getting in the habit now, while it is just still this, you know, quote unquote, really easy thing to do, you're so much better off, you know, whether it's injured or 20 years down the line.
1: That's right. And we know it's a, the most portable thing, but it's also maybe the most human thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, you know, it's something that really, you know, if we get into those 8,000, 10,000 steps a day, which is, you know, over an hour of walking probably for most of us, uh, you know, we get a uh, low level cardio, which a lot of us actually as cyclists are end up missing because we're always in this middle ground of intensity. So there's actually a lot of uh, benefits there as far as just low level aerobic ability. This feeds into sort of your glucose control, metabolism. Uh, there's certainly range of motion through those ankles, hips, arms that we're not going to get from sitting at a desk and and sitting you know, on our bicycle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that running or sorry, that walking, but also running uh, are, are very important.
0: Yeah. And I think this is one of those like misconceptions that's kind of coming from pro cycling and not even pro cycling today. This is like pro cycling like a decade ago. And just kind of what we're still kind of hung up on is pro cyclists really don't walk a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't really do anything other than ride their bikes a lot. You yep. know, now yep. we're seeing more and more you see, like Pidcock running a sub 15, 5k or something. And, you know, a lot more cyclists are hitting strength training and things like that. But for the most part, they're, they're riding their bikes, but the thing is like, we're, we're not pro cyclists. We have Mm -hmm. a whole lot of other, you know, things that are, that we're trying to do with our life slash no one's paying us to ride a bike.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And we do want to, we're sort of trying to preserve it. And again, this is where the strength training and these other things can help. Uh, even if we are injured and away from the bike, that being able to run, say you have a giant saddle sore, but then you can still run, then you are preserving some of these aspects, you know, certainly it's not, they always talk about the crossover effect. And this is where sometimes cross training gets a bad name is, oh, but you know, the runners aren't going to be the fittest cyclists or something, right? There's the crossover effects, maybe like 75% and they always try and put percentages on oh, how well right. it crosses all, over. First of all,
0: first of all, first of all, I'm going to argue strenuously against like the runners aren't going to be the great cyclists. I mean, first of all, we have Mike Woods this summer winning the stage of but he doesn't, he doesn't
1: train running to, become, Anymore, no. right. Right.
0: Uh, but I mean, how many times have I been on camps with junior kids coming off of just running and getting on the bike? Well, and-, and
1: this is where the studies get difficult, right? Because you don't know, you have lots of cycling experience in your past. So if you're otherwise, you know, you've, you know, your cardiovascular system, like there's obviously a heart and lungs attached to a runner. Uh, So even if those, you know, the leg muscles and, you know, the certain movement patterns aren't super grooved, if you do have a history in it, then of course you would bet on someone who whose heart and lungs and metabolism are running very well. Uh, You know, the mindset of moving for hours on end is is a big part of this. Like, I don't know if probably you've experienced where if you don't do anything and then you try and go do a three hour ride, it seems like the longest ride ever. But if you're used to doing three hour rides, they go by much quicker. Sure, Yeah. So yeah, I mean, of course. And so this is where I always say, like, would you bet on the person who can train as much as you, but then also runs, you know, a couple 4k runs, like it takes them 20 minutes, you know, they just jog, you know, to the store and back two times a week, on top of what you're doing, would you bet on like, would you expect that person to be a little bit fitter, uh, a little more athletic?
0: Yeah, for sure. Probably,
1: right? Like if they're not injured from doing it, if it's just their regular routine, like it just makes sense that especially as busy people, if that somehow fit into someone's lunch hour, like they run to school and pick up their kid and walk back. Uh, You know, that's what they do every Tuesday, Thursday, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like one of these things that sort of gets embedded. And that's what we really like is that we start gaining a little bit of training time because some of these other movements just fit in a little into life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas cycling or whatever your main sport is, like if you're a rower, you can only go row on the water so often. So you sort of have to cross. train. If you're a cross-country skier, you often don't have snow. And I always hold the cross-country skiers are the fittest people and they cross-train probably the most out of athletes. I don't want to say out of all athletes, but they cross-train a lot. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: I feel like I just want to shout out Katerina Dash for her fourth place at Little Sugar this Mm, weekend on the note of cross-country skiers. Big
1: walker. She likes walking. So there you go.
0: Yeah. Um, So... We've kind of talked about running as this like cycling cross training thing, but what's your take on like the different sports, you know, you kind of alluded to swimming and stuff like that I was actually just talking to um, our friend Carolyn Burkholders coming back on the podcast in a couple weeks and we were talking about how a lot of cyclists will shift to rock climbing in their off season as sort of a fun thing. Mm. Um, you know, for me, so actually what I wanted to kind of hint at here is like the different sport modalities. It doesn't just have to be about performance and like increasing your cycling performance. I think there's like a fun component too.
1: I, like, I think so. We we call this community too, right? So it, it is that freshness. And again, I'm going to hold up the second book just because I got these all in and Molly had to wait for me earlier. So true. This is a great book. It's a little bit of a textbook. It's the High Performance Training for Sports. It's into, I think, at least the second edition. Uh, Joyce is the main author on that. And there's a great chapter on cross-training in it. I believe it's chapter 17 in the first edition. Uh, and there's just some great points about cross-training. And, and you know, the one is just this freshness of, of training. Like I, I find it myself. You know, And if you road bike and mountain bike and gravel bike or any combo of those, you probably experience it, right? You go mountain biking and then you go road biking. They're different sports almost. So it's similar if we go trail running or road running. Or rock climbing like these are all different things and so there's a an enthusiasm for training whereas if you only can road ride every single day even the most motivated athlete at some point is going to get a little bored with that right right um and there's ways to mix that up obviously but this is why we would do this especially seasonally to have different seasons so yeah go rock climbing and you meet your friend every tuesday and you know i know in university and colleges this is a big thing where it's a very social activity Uh, But the other piece, you know, is it about performance? There's probably a bunch of related movements that come into that. And I know a lot of people will actually do a bit of strength training core, you know, as part of that, a lot of the gyms, rock climbing gyms try and add uh, strength uh, facilities into Mm -hmm. it. Right. So it probably could fit in as a bit of strength training as well as just fun.
0: Yeah. And I really like when you can find a cross training thing like climbing or, you know, I got the paddleboard this summer that isn't really measurable necessarily. Like I recognize you can start measuring your rock climbing and can start measuring your paddle boarding, but I really liked having an activity that completely like I didn't have a watch on. I didn't have any kind of like metrics running because I think like cycling running, like all of those are so, you know, how, you know, you know, your pace or your power, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So to have a cross training thing that gets you completely away from that. Sure. Even walking, you know, we talk about the 10,000 steps, but like, I would so much rather like I don't walk with a watch or like with my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just kind of gate, you know, it's, it's guesswork how many steps I've done in a day. But I think that's that's better for me because I like not having a, like, oh, I have to hit 10,000 steps on walking or I've failed at walking. No, like I just walked and it's fine.
1: Right. right. Yeah. and It's a tough one uh, with runners. The walking piece is a tricky one, right? Because you're already on your feet so much. I know we run into that because on weekends, I'll come back from my two or three hour bike ride, and then I'll want to go for like a big hike with DW. But then, you know, you will have maybe run 20 miles. So it's a harder ask for you to be like, oh, and then we'll just add another you know, five miles or 5k. Okay, of,
0: okay. When have I not gone? You
1: do, but it, it's tough because you're trying to like monitor training. Load, sure. Right. And it is like the, the border of again, walking and running are almost the same thing, if not the same thing, especially when you get into ultra running, you know, and, and we're, and now you're getting into hiking. I was going to
0: say, yeah, the ultra running slash hiking, especially
1: with the fastest known tackle, mm-hmm. you know, he likes to send it up the Hills and down and the down. hills. Yeah. So, uh, all that to say, you need to sort of balance that out a little bit for sure. And it can be tricky, Um, but you get a lot of steps in. So I guess that's where I was going with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so cross training then. So we talked about you said running, you said like the other sports. And, and I do think that's, you know, finding other stuff that's fun because part of this is the community. And part of it is also just, you know, as we go through life, you may find you're not a cyclist anymore. You may find you are a rock climber. You know, these, these communities have a big Venn diagram of crossover, but you do find people are very much into rock climbing and then very much into cycling and maybe into running or triathlon. We do go through these phases in life and that's, that's great, right? Like it's the same as they talk about sport sampling with kids and not specializing too early. I think in the same Way we want adults to go different directions. Maybe it's how your body feels doing something at a different age or phase of life. It fits better. You know, there's a rock climbing gym at school, then there's not a rock climbing gym convenient, but there's a gym at school. So, you, or sorry, a gym at work, and then you right, get into. Right. So, sometimes we have to be open to these communities and these environments adapting with us
0: for sure. And even so, what's actually your take on like the micro of that? You kind of mentioned gravel road mountain biking. What's your feeling on is is it cross training if a road rider goes on the mountain bike.
1: Mm. Well, let's pull up this third book. So this is a classic, not the original edition, which I should try and find like original edition, Joe Friel cyclist training Bible. Uh, So this is the third edition of the cyclist training Bible. if
0: you were a cyclist or triathlete in the nineties and early aughts, everyone has a copy of either the cyclist training manual or Bible or the triathlete training Bible.
1: Now, I think I actually saw on Amazon, uh, I think you can get like used copies of the early editions. (laughs) <laughs> which look uh even better uh and that's like 90s i think uh like early 90s so I love it anyhow this stuff's been around for a long time it's influenced a lot for better or worse i guess depending on your opinion but the the idea is that you know we have these preparation phases which is what a lot of people would be in and you know after your main events in say july august september you get into a preparation phase and then an early base phase and i won't po- open the thing and quote it uh but basically you know in the preparation phase, we're preparing to do a bunch of cross-training, which we'll do in the base phases because we're a long ways away from the sport, main sport. Um, does that answer your question or no? There's probably more there.
0: Kind of, sort of.
1: <laughs> uh So when we get into the base phase, then, you know, we want to be ready that we can cross country ski or we can walk a lot or hike a lot or rock. A lot of clients have gotten into this rucking where, okay, they got conditioned to walking 10,000 steps and they live in a city. So we start adding a bit of stairs and going into parks and maybe a weighted backpack or vest. Uh, And that might be while they're walking a dog or walking their kid to school or whatever, right? And again, we're embedding that into it, Uh, but heart rates can actually be. Quite high when you start adding some of these loads and variable terrains, and even in a city without going, you know, into mountains uh, per se. Um,
0: I feel like I'm a big fan of grocery rucking. Yeah, uh, that's, there you go. We used to do that all the time. We don't do it as much anymore with the dog. She can't bring him into the grocery store, but we used to just load our backpacks and do our whole grocery shop mm-hmm. just on foot.
1: For sure. Yeah. And, you know, the dog and I walk to the dump and I usually put a 20 pound dumbbell plus like our our green box, like our compost doesn't get collected. So it's sort of an inconvenient thing that I just have turned into a bit of a a routine that him and I uh, do. Uh, So yeah, you sort of just that's what they call it, you know, making life hard, I guess, right? That's sort of like you're just inconveniencing yourself, you're parking at the back of the parking lot. Uh, I'm getting off track here though. So in the Joffre book, we have this periodization. Is that what you were, you were talking about just how do we fit this into the year?
0: Yeah. How do you fit it into the year? And also, I mean, what are the, the trade-offs on it? I'm thinking about, because I think a lot of people hearing this, you kind of have mentioned like you ride and then you do the walk you ride, and then you've added 4K of running. So I just sure. want to kind of make sure, sure we're we're not saying that like you stick to your normal training volume and then add on another 10 hours of cross training every week. Well,
1: and you may, and I always, I've said this before in the podcast, the high performance training for sports by Joyce, this textbook that I'll hold up again here for the YouTube viewers. Uh, it, uh, it actually had a great insight that I always say, like I slap my forehead that indeed that's the purpose of cross-training is in the general preparation or base phase, you start cross-training more and that raises the volume. Right. So for the time crunched or time limited person, you know, the busy adults, this might be, yeah, I walk all my errands and the kids to school. And while they're in the pool, I'm walking around and it's, it's quote unquote, just walking, but you're really upping that amount of movement in your day on top of, yes, you still do your hour of biking or running that you're used to doing. Uh, Maybe you back off some of that and include a bit of more strength training in these early base phases. Uh, But yeah, it sort of is additive in some cases to what you do. Uh, And then I think also the weather, the environment should enforce this, you know, I'm running more now because biking is sort of sucky and I try and not ride my trainer till December, my indoor trainer on my bike. Um, so I'm doing more strength and doing more, uh, running just as informed by the environment. Right. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, okay. But that was all mentioning kind of lower intensity additions or swaps. So you're either adding like a bunch of like lower intensity walking type stuff in Mm -hmm. addition to your training or you're trading out some of your training for like the same higher intensity thing yeah Uh, so just the caveat of like if you're adding in higher intensity cross training on top of your other training just make sure you're fueling appropriately and like still resting and all that fun stuff
1: sure and you want to be careful not to change too much at once so again preparation phase certainly um but early base phases generally don't have a lot of you know Intensity in them. I you know, I I, I tend to be a, I guess where the Joe Friel, like this is that linear periodization where you sort of do like a easy block, a base block, and then maybe a bit of tempo and then a sweet spot and threshold, then VO2, and then you race. Uh I, I tend to be of the opinion that you can include a bit of intensity year-round, but you just want to be careful not to overdo it, especially you know, you've come off of intense race season. Like it is good to give the intensity a bit of a break. And if you're also adding running, which is very neuromuscular, there's a lot of shock and some strength training, which tends to be, you know, again, neuromuscular, tough on the muscular system. You know, this is people say they feel tired and slow after doing both those things. So then they stop doing them. Uh, But because we believe it's not a crime, you know, the idea is that you ease into them. And again, as you say, the biking is going to be more low intensity this time of year and just really support that aerobic system. What we're trying to rebuild is that aerobic base. Most of us are can use lots and lots and we'll, would get better. I always give this challenge that if you just did a couple months of like only zone two, or you could call it math training or endurance training, whatever you want to tra- call it, probably most of us would see a tremendous improvement without you know any suffer intervals or anything like this. It just, it can be boring if you're doing it indoors, especially, and does take some discipline to stay really steady with that. But All that to say, yeah, I would be careful because you're changing or adding some of these other loads that you don't want to also go like, you know, run one day and then intervals on your bike the next day and then strength training the next day and then intervals on your bike and then running. Like those are just all high intensity days or or very hard things to recover from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I Love guess, it. yeah.
0: Okay. I do want to talk about competition in cross training, but before we do, I just wanted to take this moment to thank our sponsors. We are still working with AG one formerly known as athletic greens. This has been over two years. We've actually been using AG one and it is still like my absolute favorite thing. No matter what season we are in, uh, as far as making sure I'm trying to stay on top of my, my health and, and longevity. Sure. And
1: And I mean, this type of, this time of year, this base, you know, this cross-training season is a great time to, you know, refocus on nutrition, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe pull out, you know, some of these things, refocus on getting more veggies in more uh, proteins, more whole foods in. Um, But AG1 can be a great base to sort of kickstart that, especially for those, you know, I have a bunch of clients who aren't really into vegetables. You know, and so th- it these are these are the folks that especially can really benefit uh, from something like this.
0: Yes, and AG1 has sort of all of your all of your things all in ones. Your vitamins, your minerals, your probiotics, your prebiotics, your adaptogens, and of course your greens. So all of the fun stuff that is here to keep you healthy, keep your immune system boosted over the you know cold and flu season. Um, I love the travel packs. They're super good to just have in the van for whenever we either end up out for an extra night or we're on the road for a few days. A lot or... of
1: clients it seems like conferences are back now. So everyone's oh, God, in, yeah. in Vegas. So, I mean, the it's this is really made for Vegas, I think, really, right? So
0: seriously, I think we should do like a training camp in Vegas or something at this point with how many of your clients have ended up there lately? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Maybe. I don't know if I can go back, but Maybe uh, there do you go. It
0: like during conference <laughs> season. So they can actually just go like to the conference and then come to like our training facility for like a four-day detox after the conference mm-hmm. kind of thing. There you go.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: Uh anyway, <laughs> So to make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D. It's these lovely little tasty droplets plus five free travel packs uh, with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. Again, that's now drinkag1.com backslash Molly H to receive the bonus of a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. And we will include that link in the show notes. Uh, We've heard from so many people who've actually been, you know, that have used the link, that are using AG1, that are still loving. It. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for your support if you do use our code. But either way, definitely give it a try. Okay. The other thing I wanted to ask about here is competition and cross training. And I don't mean like competing with a friend, I mean, you're doing a 25K running race this Saturday. Uh, you have a lot of clients that do jump into cross country ski. We actually had uh, Vivian Favory on the podcast a few weeks back, and she was talking about she did her first cross country ski thing last year, you know, former professional mountain biker. Uh, and, you know, hopping into that was a very different thing from her, you know, going from world cup mountain bike racing to, you know, local cross-country skiing and, you know, kind of starting at the back.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So thoughts.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably good. I think this is something that probably keeps, you know, as a lot of our listeners would be in Northern climbs, not all of them, but a, a lot. And so it, it is a long time from late August to March, April, May, when there might be another goal or target. And sometimes these carrots are nice. So what they call them loppets, like these cross-country ski races, or you said, you know, running races, you can almost do year round. There's usually like a Christmas 10 K for the U S like their November, like Turkey trots, you know, these things, things. So I I think those are good and they're good little targets, but I I always, especially with the running, but also, I mean, cross-country skiing, probably the hardest thing you could do. Um, You probably want to set that up as a block or two or three where you're going to go like September, October, November, and then maybe you do a turkey trot 10k. You could probably build into that, but that would start in again, August, September, where we're doing a a walk and maybe six run walks, you know, six by 30 second. And then if everything seems good, you know, you just gradually add that time, but lots of walking, lots of hiking, lots of variable terrain, getting those tendons and ligaments conditioned. Uh, especially if you're coming from cycling, right? If you're not coming from something where you've been running already.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely just, go, you know, going in with that beginner mindset of like, I'm in this to have fun, mm. not in this to break my body. And like, that doesn't mean you can't be competitive. It just means remembering that it's not your your main sport. And, you know, the purpose is just to have that like little start line and mm-hmm. that like you say carrot, but it's not it's not the carrot cake. It's not that it's not the a race.
1: Yeah, there's a few like, yeah, I think you have to know yourself. Probably most people are fine with it. It's probably good for most people, but you want to be careful um, how much you're like, judging yourself, I guess, I like, guess if someone couldn't go into it and be like, this is a cross country ski race and not a bike race. And, you know, if you're last place, then, you know, you suck at biking or something. Uh, sometimes we draw these weird connections.
0: Yeah, like not translating the two. Or like creating,
1: yeah. Versus just let it be in the hardest thing you've ever done or something, and you know you, you, you're just amazed at how efficient other people are. Uh, you know, swimming would be similar. Like they're just so technique based that mm-hmm. you know you're going to get beat by someone who's been skiing since they were born. You know, they're a sixty year old, and they are just so efficient. Yeah, uh, and they know all the the game and the wax and all this stuff. Uh, for skiing. Uh, So that's definitely something to be careful with, but it it is that, you know, I was talking about linear periodization where it's, you know, you only go easy for like four months and then you do a bit of the the build phase where it's moderate. And then, you know, finally you get to race in you know July. So it it is odd sometimes that you don't do the thing or or like do any high intensity for many, many, many months. Uh, And that's probably too precious. And probably, you know, I think the tides have turned a little bit on that where we still do some intensity, some racing Mm -hmm. uh, can be can be blocked into that and i, I think what would we do you would probably still train into that race you'd maybe call it a c race right where it's not you're not peaking
0: right right for
1: this race probably you go into it recovered and do the best you can but you don't need to like you know again as you say don't put your whole ego and year based on this february event when you're actually training for something in july or august
0: for sure yeah And I think we're going to have to do an episode at some point. Actually, we do have a uh, mental performance consultant coming on soon. Uh, And I do kind of want to talk, like I'll talk to her, I guess, about it. Like the, you don't have to race, I think is always like this very important thing. So I recognize that I just brought up competition, Yeah. but I think I brought it up partially to point out that you can cross train without the idea that you have to do a race, which is
1: your previous point was sort of, you know, the no comparison. And it is nice. That's how running's mostly been, you know, it is odd because I'm doing this uh, running touring event, but I'll be honest, it's mostly because there's a bunch of private property. I want to see, uh, that's included in the loop.
0: Well, that and, a- and I'm going to be out all day. So you might as well. So yeah, I'm
1: just doing the one lap version of the three lap race you're doing. Um,
0: and it works out really nicely because of how they set Like, I know you're grumpy that it's not starting at the same time, but it's actually kind of ideal because you're going to have like an hour or whatever before yours. like, after my start, you have like an hour and a half before you start. And then you'll be done a couple hours before I finish. So you don't like you're not just sitting around for like sure. seven hours. Yeah,
1: which I think is underused, right? If your kids are racing, like it is better when parents or spouses like get involved in some capacity. Uh and again, that might just be going for a hike while some you don't have to even compete, right? But just go and get your own movement in and, and rather than standing in a, a feed zone or something, right? Uh, so I'll have to say, I, I do think cross-country, like running for me, I've always run. So sometimes people are surprised and I run year round and, you know, mm-hmm. I try and get, again, I'm the guy who runs to the grocery store or bank or whatever. Um, but I, I do think it, it is like a pretty peaceful thing to just be like, I don't even really, care. I'd rather not be good cross-country skiing. I've cross country ski skiing my whole life and I actually am not great at it. Look, uh,
0: I always say when people like ask if I like have a, you know, cross-country season pass to like the places nearest. I'm like, no, I'd rather just suck on our local trails. And just work really hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're also sort of, yeah, it's just the inconvenience of going, but the, the not being great at it, you know, being good enough to do do it, but then not like, you know, you don't need the best wax and the best equipment. So there's an Mm -hmm. inefficiency and you actually are looking for that because especially as a cyclist, right, you get so efficient at pedaling that actually it's hard to get a training effect sometimes, Uh, especially, you know, this is maybe for people who have been training for a long time and a lot. Um, I always thought it made a lot of sense just, you know, if you go in and run, like I can run so hard up a hill, but I don't have to worry about like falling over or traffic on, you know, my bike. Uh, and I'm just not as efficient. The heart rate goes higher. So then I just always felt like that was something that, you know, there'd probably be a piece there if you could do that without, you know, injuring yourself, that there'd probably be some cardiovascular stimulation. Your heart would be like, what is going on? Like, how is the heart rate this high all of a sudden? And so I always felt like that was the years I actually pushed that and did it well, um, that just transferred really well. And I don't know if that was like the mental piece of just being so cross-eyed, uh, or if there was, you know, did my heart adapt or something happen, uh, physiologically, it's hard to say, but, um, or, or did I just do a set of intervals that I might've not, you know, I might've skipped on my bike or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Like so? so there you go. You can compete or not, but probably caution, right? Because if, if your main sport, again, we're talking about cross training, which is the, by definition, not your main sport. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just, I, it's always, you want to be careful. As you say, some people do cross country skiing stuff or like maybe a lot of it is like longer. It almost like motivates the training. So it's, it's almost like in the way that people now bike pack a little bit, like they go bike pack and they ride for six hours, three days in a row. And it's like, oh wow, what a great volume camp.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So some of these loppets are like, they're going to ski for 70 K. It's a good adventure. Maybe they ski 70K back the next day. Uh, and so it's an all day thing. And so it's like a great endurance thing, but you know, they're not necessarily going to 10 out of 10 effort and like cross eyed and like mm-hmm. crawling home.
0: Yeah. It is just wild to me now with cycling, you can pretty much race all year round on the bike at this point between I mean, especially when you add in like e cycling stuff. Sure. Like like holy moly Like
1: track and, and fat bike alone. Like, yeah, you and yeah, it's, bike, it's spring and, class, and like, spring classic. Yeah. So it's really cyclocross till say December, January, even if you're domestic, uh, even in Canada where cyclocross sort of gets canceled by snow, uh, it's November 12th or 20th, I think, uh, maybe. Yeah. And then I think that's what our nationals are around. That's all, like almost December. And then certainly you could jump into track and I'm sure fat biking, depending on where you are as well. So you're right. You could be in a pedaling motion, uh, all year.
0: So I actually do think like if you're someone who does race, you know, 10 months out of the 12 on the bike, probably don't have any start lines and cross training, like, unless it is just, you can do it very casually, very fun Mm -hmm. just for the sake of like, honestly. So that way, when you do line up again, after that, like eight or 10 week break, you are really excited about it and mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. just this continuous cycle of start lines
1: it's tricky and i don't know i think it's a little bit personal but i you know i i always felt like you know once you get into september for me like it's tough to do cyclocross like i've enjoyed the years i, I met you because i was of gonna say thank it. goodness but it's just it, it becomes a long year if you're also racing in april all the way through till like whatever october november december like, that's almost an entire year, um. let alone, as you say, with like if you're doing swift racing every week, you know, it, it is that like 10 out of 10 intensity. Um, okay,
0: so here's my question The year we met, had you planned to keep going past like say Gloucester?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm sort of a fair weather. I don't like the cold at all. I hate standing around.
0: So that single speed world championships in the like foot of snow in Philadelphia, that not was, great for you? That
1: was random, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but those are sort of fun too. I mean, cyclocross maybe is an okay way, but yeah, I think you want to be careful with the racing. And, and and I guess the the better question here with cross training is, you know, could you be bold? This is an individual question, but there's some thought that you know you actually don't do really much cardio aside from maybe walking, and you could do probably one or two months of of a very anabolic, you know, so strength training focused, you know, higher protein intake really sleeping well, really eating well, like almost like bodybuilder style, but you know, you could strength train in any way you wanted. I don't know. It, it's it's like one of those things that a lot of us, especially if we were going back to that longevity, mm-hmm. you know, tangent, we went on to start off with, like, you wonder if, if your metabolism and your muscle, your strength, your explosivity, and then your motivation for cycling, as you started, you know, adding in a bit more cross training cardio, and then a bit more bike specific stuff as you get towards the new year, and then again, I, I sometimes lay out this Joe Friel book. It has gr- the, this is your classic, you know, ATP or annual plan. If you start, if your race isn't until July, right? Like you could almost the Joe Friel book. This is in Training Peaks is their automatic annual training plan builder. You know, it's like January, February, March or base, April, May or build. You know,
0: you really sounded like you were about to sing a nursery rhyme. Yeah, or it's or it's something. almost
1: it's almost beautiful, right? And then June, July, you know, and then there you go. There's like two peaking months. Like there's just, out, there's almost bonus months there. Right. And then it's like Leadville for you or, or whoever, you know, if you're doing July or August are usually when the big races are. Um, and even if you again you're doing like an unbound, That's what first of June, late May, like it's almost enough months there, even if you just sort of started in January. Would you would you do that? Probably not. You probably start, you know, a bit more in your bike stuff. But I I do pose that question that you could probably do a very nice anabolic rebuild. You know, the body is feeling good, work out any niggles and injuries, your butt isn't sitting on a saddle for a couple months or a month even. Um, and or you know, you could combine that with a bit of cross-training, right? You're also going to do some pole walking and rucking, you're going to stay off your bike. Uh, you know, take my no uh, trainer till December challenge. I don't know, it, it strikes me as like a pretty good way to be super motivated and super strong coming into the spring.
0: It sort of sounds like you're about to start your no trainer till December challenge here. Are, are we challenging people?
1: We should. Yeah, I said, I, I actually put it into all, all our coaching clients, like it's in their training peaks as like a reminder. And I always hesitate, right? Because I I'm also like, somewhat privileged in that like a I'm willing to just go walk and you know there's nothing urgent. Uh I can train when it's light out uh for the most part. I'll, you know, often train around lunch hour. Uh so there is that right I, I wouldn't train in the dark and right. I don't want anyone to hurt themselves like that. Uh if you're in a snowy area, like it gets dicey, you know, or an icy area is even more icy and dicey. Uh, so I I said, you know, you might bend this challenge to be like on the weekends. I never ride the indoor trainer, right? You have more time you can train when it's light out and sometimes, yes, you only can walk. Uh, I do say that strength training can count. It can be indoors, but we just avoid the like indoor trainer or rollers, uh, in, in essentially in October, November is the idea.
0: And that's, that's not because there's anything like inherently horrifically wrong with the trainer or anything more just that if you use it now than by like January when it's, you know, actually like four feet of snow. Outside. January,
1: most people can persist. You know, you got that January, like, you know, you had a, new year, new maybe day. had like a hard holiday season. You know, you went hard on the holidays uh, or maybe got a break, you know, and then you can usually, most people are, okay, New Year's resolution. I got registered. I'm registered for Unbound or Leadville. You know, the big deadlines are usually around the 1st of January. So most people get through January. It's like the February blaws. You know, we have this family day holiday in in a lot of Canada now, uh, partially because of the like blahs of February, like you just get so tired of winter. Uh, So it's usually February to March, Uh, you know, March break. We have that spring break as well. Somewhere in there, you're going to get really tired of the trainer in most cases.
0: It's also because I think despite how many years we've we've been taught this lesson, we all think that like, okay, March, we're going to be able to ride outside. (laughs) It's going to be fine for sure. Not it's not at all.
1: And so that's, you know, what I see is like this, there's no break and and no seasonality. And and again, most of us don't need a huge break. This is a question actually for our AMA today uh, with our clients. We do like a monthly meetup. With our coaching clients. And one of the questions is like, how much of a break should I take? And, you know, it really depends if you're injured and burnt out, you need to take more of a break. If you're a professional cyclist who just did, you know, the lifetime series, you did all these big, massive hundred milers and are just like burning it as hard as you can, you probably need to take two, three, four weeks, maybe even longer, you know, basically off. Uh, But then this relates to what we were talking about uh, earlier in the episode where as you get older, you probably need to keep moving because mm-hmm. it's harder to get the, the the machine moving again. We've all felt this, right? Again, you, you sort of have a lazy day or a travel day. And again, you know, you sleep wrong and your neck's thrown out. So we want to keep moving, but we can move differently. We can keep the routine. We can keep the motion as lotion. We can you know do this, but we can let our brain have different stimulation by easing into hiking, easing into our cross-country running, uh, mm-hmm. cross-country running, or cross-country skiing, whatever you're into. hmm
0: Love it. Anything else on cross-training?
1: Yeah, I don't know. We could probably the other thing is just, you know, just again a reminder of with strength, with anything where there's impacts, you especially as we're becoming adults. Uh, you know, you want to be adults, you want to just easy, it doesn't take a lot. Um, you know, we really like that 10 minutes a day of core as the starting thing, you know, when you're starting strength, quote unquote. That's sort of a trademark thing. But uh when you're when you're starting, is it doesn't take much. So, you know, you can do one set of eight is a great little routine uh that I like. You get pick eight exercises. Full body, don't be weird and say like cyclists only train their lower body or only their upper body because you, you lose. There's people are split on that one. And I'm I always laugh at that. But all the body parts, full body motions. So your press, your pull, your squat, your lunge, you know, these basic shapes. Uh pick eight that you know, eight that you like, eight that don't hurt, uh, that you can do with your equipment, your location, one set of eight. And then come back again two days or three days later, one set of eight one set of eight and just keep progressing. And you should find that you get more reps or more loads or more range of motion. They get a little harder each time, track it. And you could probably ride that for a long time if you're new to strength. And then eventually the beauty of that one is you can, what happens when you feel like you're not making progress? Well, then you go to two sets of eight and that's a really beauty program. I like that one. Um, Dan John's easy strength is our, probably one of our favorites, certainly my favorite. Uh, And that's, I can't even get away from it.
0: No, I mean, I I do like a, you know, revised version of it that sort of adds in some of the uh, David and Megan Roche's like ultra legs routine and stuff, Yeah, like kind of a combo of those. But even still, it's 20 minutes twice a week.
1: Sure. And I think that's a good, easy, like tangible way that a lot of cyclists, you know, it could go in after or before a bike or in, we do it more in the morning before, although you do yours a lot of times after your run or something. I do mine after yeah. my
0: run, yeah. Um, I also have my yoga core routine every morning.
1: Right. Right. But I think this is the idea that we'd start easing into that and less than you think. So, you know, you'll, you'll pull up again, this Joe Friel training Bible third edition here. I'm holding this up for YouTube. Uh, it has routines in it, but it's going to be like three sets of eight to 12, maybe even more. It might be 15 to 20 in the anatomical adaptation. So the first the first, uh, routine that's suggested. And then it does have like, you know, your max strength in these zones that go to lower reps, but like that to do that number of three sets of 15 of a bunch of exercises, like you'll be in the gym for an hour and 15 plus minutes. And so I find that that's just way too much time for most people. Certainly I can't handle that. I try and keep most stuff under 30 minutes. Um, And maybe we get an extra day or two into the week uh, that way as well. And so the frequency can be higher. But then the soreness is less, hopefully, and the mental anguish of being like captive in the gym or, you know, Mm. whatever is better. And you can go out and do a bit of walking afterwards or a quick spin on your bike or a quick jog or run walk you know, you can really start mixing it up and you have more energy for the rest of the day.
0: And I think we'll link to it in the show notes, but we do have a a post that's like the, you know, five or six things that we have in our our quote unquote home gym, which is not actually a gym to be clear. We do not have a room that is the gym. It's the living room. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think most I'd say endurance athletes don't necessarily need a gym membership to do their strength. I think that's Probably like the the question you get a lot this time of year, a misconception people have is that, sure. like, oh, strength training, I need to be in the gym.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you have to know yourself, um you know, if there's a gym at your work, sure. uh,
0: if you have super easy or, access, you know, a
1: lot of clients, you know, they're in a condominium and there's a gym. So like use the gym, but if it's an excuse to not do the 10 minute routine, I just asked you to do, that's what I usually see is like, it's, oh, I have to do this 60 minute magic routine twice a week but then the person who's just doing 10 minutes most days gets the routine sees the benefits you know they could only do one push-up to start and now they're doing rhyming off 20 plus push-ups mm-hmm. it's just hard to argue with and and that we see the best success with that now again if you like the gym you are someone who's very strong and really likes doing squats. You have a personal trainer that you've got an appointment booked with. You have the means to do that. Like, I think the gym can work really well, but it cannot be an excuse. So in two weeks, if you don't come back and you aren't doing better with your strength, then it needs to be at home for sure. Mm -hmm. And again, start one set of eight lunge pushup, um, you know, just find like some cans of soup and bent over row, like, you know, you don't need any equipment. You probably have enough heavy stuff around your house, you know, get your hydration pack and put some cans of soup or rocks in it or something, you know, get, grab some rocks from outside and away you go, right. Just invent a little routine. It doesn't have to be the perfect routine to start, um, and just go at it. And then in a couple of weeks it can get fancier, but I I don't, don't rush it for sure.
0: Yeah. And I don't think the, like with that one, like the goal is not that then eventually you, you join the gym, I think. It can be like, sure, fine. Mm. But I think we always think of like the the gym and like the big squat rack is like the pinnacle of strength training. And I just don't think it has to be for a no. lot of
1: us. No, I mean there's and no. There's... We're not
0: getting a squat rack for the deck, and stop asking.
1: Well, about I it. would like one, or or like a. Everyone had to get trap bars, and we love Stacy Sims' book Roar. It's another great way. If you need, to, some of these books are great at convincing you you need to do strength training. And, and perfect, you know, her book is you know it's really targeted towards like menopause, getting older as women. But I think all the I always say the 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 big rocks of that book are you know strength train is important. He- lift heavy shit. I think is one of her big things. Uh, some jumping, you know, I think preserving the ability to jump at all. So this could be jump rope, and then protein. You know, yeah. protein's important. We need to increase probably the amount of protein, you know, try it, track it. If you don't believe it and see where you're at. Um, where was I going with that? But yeah, trap bar. oh, she loves trap bars. Yeah. So of course everyone needed to get trap bars at home, uh, which is just a way to deadlift, uh, that's shaped in a, is it a hexagon? Something like yeah. that. No, it's a, it's a trap, trap. uh, trap is <laughs> I don't know here. Yeah, I don't know. It's, is it a hex six trap? Is don't know. hex hex is six. <laughs> Uh, all that to say, you don't need that. You know, we talk about two twenty pound or two twenty five pound, depending on you know if you're a smaller person, probably a little lighter. Uh, dumbbells. These are just dumbbells. You know, a lot of folks are getting these adjustable dumbbells, which just have like gotten our better.
0: Adjustable one.
1: We just have one, which actually works out okay. I think most of us, you know, going overhead. So this is our pull ups or overhead presses. A lot of us, as we get older, the shoulders, the back, the neck can't really. Handle both arms going overhead together as well. So it is a really nice, if you just use one arm overhead, most people are okay. Uh, you know, again, start light and see where you're at. Uh, what else do you do? Uh, the pull-up bar, the doorway pull-up bar is just so simple. Not everyone's house is is accepting to this uh, due to door frames
0: or, well, is, or but...
1: quality of your paint and so forth. But if you have a basement, doorway pull-up bar is like a $10, maybe free if you look on your local buy and sell uh, to start hanging and doing maybe doing pull-ups, right. But we say hanging, you know, arms overhead, hanging is one of the best things. Nice mm-hmm. for the spine to decompress nice for shoulder mobility. Uh, it, it's just great next to can really like hanging.
0: And I don't know. We have like a bunch of little things. Like you have an ab wheel. Uh, we've got some bands that, you know, I'll use for like foot pull apart or whatever you want to call it. Like,
1: yeah. Like Sideways or walking or clamshells. Again, these are the things like when you go to physio because you're injured, what are they going to tell you to do? They're going to tell you to do clamshells, maybe some like side planks, maybe some band sideways walking. Uh, you know, if you just Google any of these things, you'll be able to find them. Uh, most of these things you don't even necessarily need a band for certainly like something like clamshells or, or side plank, you know, you can mm-hmm. you probably progress side planks forever without any equipment. Uh, and it's again, one of those ones that's pretty valuable, I think. So all to say, get going with strength and okay. embrace it as cross training. Walking would be the next one. And then maybe some walks with some vigorous walking uphill, uh, maybe walking with some weighted loads. So backpack or vest, then maybe thinking about running. It might be just quick runs uphill or, you know, a a very gradual hill We may call those strides. Uh, but it could be a run walk, very casually adding that back in, not rushing it, always checking in next day. How sore are you? Is there any niggles in those ankles, feet, especially, uh, and then just you know, in three months, if you just gradually, you know, you could invent your own run walk or look up like couch to 5k type run walk things, you'll be running in two, three months, you know, 5k five miles, like it comes quickly. But if you do it all today, (laughs) it ends quickly as well. So the running is a great one. Uh, And then yeah, whatever else is accessible to you uh, is is really as far as cross country skiing and these more epic, you know, cross training things that come to mind.
0: Well, I think the fun stuff too, the like indoor rock climbing, like, Heck, take dance classes with your spouse or partner. And we haven't
1: even spoken about team sports. But again, when we're talking about community, some of that side to side motion, again, very dangerous for for adults to suddenly go and play ultimate Frisbee or pick up football or uh, any of these things. Yeah, but also really good for you. But again, ease, try and be, you know, self-limiting in these somehow, Uh, you know, miss some shifts or, uh, you know, practice, you know, go ahead and play in a field on your own a few times before you go to the actual game or practice.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Love it. All right. Well, if you have any questions about cross-training that we didn't cover in this episode or, you know, heading into the off season, any questions, definitely hit us up over at consummateathlete on Instagram or consummateathlete.com. Uh, I'll have all the links to the books and everything in the show notes. Um, And whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on whatever podcast network you listen to to it on, uh, please do us a huge favor, subscribe, rate, review. It is super, super helpful. We super, super appreciate it. Uh, And if you're not sure how to rate or review, um, if you head to consummateathlete.com backslash review, I actually have sort of how to do it and all of the links to all of the different places you can do it. Uh, So that'd be so 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 helpful, and we oh, very much appreciate it. It's, I know, right?
1: Paired with the link, like don't
0: forget to also head to consummateathlete.com to look at our "Cross Training Is Not a Crime" T-shirt.
1: That would be great. Yeah, there you we'll go. Love to see you wrapping that.
0: All right, thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.